Things are about to get hectic for fans and footy participants alike with four full rounds set to be played over 20 consecutive footy field fun days starting from tonight in about two hours' time. As we reach the halfway mark of season 2020, only two wins separate frontrunners Port from 12th place Giants, meaning that picking winners is harder than ever. And so joining me to share the tipping load, the tipping success and the tipping sadness is the punter's prophet himself. Big bustling Baz all the way from Elston Week. Are you excited or scared about the footy frenzy that's coming for us, Baz? I'm pretty excited, although it does uh, interrupt with Bachelor in Paradise a bit. So, um, got Sure, a, you've a got two screens, man. I do have two screens. I've got, I've got, I've got a couple, actually, at three. But uh, there'll be a bit of flicking in between old Batchy tonight and the footy, but I'm looking forward to it. It gives me something to do at night when I get home from work and training, so it's good. Excellent. But I am, I am actually looking forward to it. Good. Good, good, good. And I think most people are too. It gives you something to do. Gives you something to do, which is what you need when if you're a dirty Victorian like we are and you're still locked down in the same old house. We've hit the three week three weeks today. So congratulations. Only three weeks to go. Do don't think, think, don't hope, do. All right, first segment is Coach's Corner, as always, with the footy frenzy Fernanza Bonanza that's coming on, Baz. My question to you as the coach of the podcast is, is it okay? to allow for scheduled losses. So this is the thing that's pretty common in the MLB, pretty common in the NBA. If you've got hectic travel schedules, the coaches, without saying it directly to the players, will basically tell you after the event that, yeah, no, nah, tonight was the scheduled loss. We travelled two days back to back and then we, we just figured if we're going to lose one, it was going to be tonight. Is that an okay attitude to have? No, and I don't think it's an Australian mentality either. Mm. I think you asked most coaches or sportsmen in Australia, yeah, look, don't get me wrong, there, there'll be changes galore over the next three or four weeks with teams and they will um, rest players and make sure they're right for later in the year if they're in that position where they can afford to. Um, like, you know, your ports, Adelaides and stuff like that will definitely rest players and, and make sure they're 100% come, come the pointy end of the season. But at no point does a coach go, oh, we're going to sacrifice this and this for a loss. Um, I think teams will be pretty smart. With the, they might change the way they play, might go a bit more defensive, um, and keep try and keep the game tighter. A bit like what Hawthorne did on the weekend against Sydney to, to hope for a, a tight game and might be able to sneak a loss, a win. Sorry, um, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's the Aussie way or even the AFL way to schedule in a loss. That you still want to win, you're going to figure out the best way you can win with you, what you got, and you might be a bit tap, a bit. Um, and you do it in local footy, you, but you don't let the players know either. You kind of look at who you're playing against. You know you should be winning, um, and you give a few other players an opportunity. And if you sell the right message to those players, it's their opportunity to grab a spot, really. So, hmm. um, well, players probably don't want to be rested. You probably need to rest them, but it also gives someone else an opportunity to take their spot. So it works both ways. Yeah, and also it's you kind of need to sell that that lie into the team? Like if you're in Adelaide and you're, and you're still not selling the story that we can win any week, well, then that's you've, that's pointless then. Why are you even turning up? Because not only because of the hub life or, any, or because of the travel, like Adelaide's just on paper not going to beat anyone this year. So if you don't sell the lie and say we're going to win every game, we can win every game, then what's the point? And so if you extrapolate that out to teams that will be doing hard travel and travelling every day, then you should as a coach, I reckon, be doing that and telling them, no, nah, our plan is to come in and out, in and out of this hub, four games in three weeks. Let's go four zero. Lock in finals. Yeah, 
Definitely. And I, I reckon, you know, um, Nick's Adelaide will be showing vision of the last probably three weeks almost and saying, look, we've been pretty close and we're near it. So we're actually not that far away from being, you know, a bit more competitive and winning games. So I think that you need that um, inspiration if you're a team that's lower down the, the table that there are positives and try and sneak a few wins and upset other other teams, uh, you know, season. I was... It, it, you know, you end up like the Brisbane Broncos and just fade away into you should be playing in the third division. Mm. Drops away pretty quickly. Speaking of fadeaways, let's move on to our second segment. What just happened? The big wins and bad beats of round seven. And uh, both of our teams copped a nice little touch-up this week, Bez. So we'll we'll start with your favourite talking point, telling us that Richmond's done. So the Giants, 9-8-8-62, defeated Richmond, 6-14-50. Now, is it as bad as it looks on paper, or did the Tigers actually miss a chance to win this game? I think that that style doesn't help Richmond. So the style that Collingwood probably came up with a few years ago, of maintaining possession of the ball, mm. um, kicking long down the line and trying to stop the outnumber and how they match up with the the, the their half forward drawing up to the stoppage and stuff like that. I think I think uh, Jerry West sort of still play that style of footy and it's not really working for them overall, but it worked for them on the weekend. That's why I tipped them. And we obviously do see when they've been under the pump for a few weeks, they generally come out and play a pretty passionate, hard sort of game. And they, you know, the big difference for me for them is Toby Green. I mean, every game yeah. they've won and they've only just won. He's is, been the difference. Um, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I think that, yeah. That wasn't it such a bad loss for Richmond, I don't think. I think they're still going to make the finals, but it was more indicative, I reckon, on Jerry West that they got the win, but they're not going to get many more wins. They keep playing that style of footy. They had less inside 50s. They just were capable of scoring when going forward, thanks to someone like Toby Green, who can make something out of nothing. So, um, yeah, I think they're struggling a bit, and they're still trying to play footy from two or three years ago, which doesn't work. So... We are hoping to see a bit more of an attacking game style for them and it didn't really eventuate. Um, and probably Richmond in the end, yeah, probably shot themselves in the foot a bit, but GWS still got the win. So, yeah, you gotta t- you got to make the most of when you've got that uh, momentum. And I think some of the teams had like 16, 17 inside 50s to like six or seven and were outscored somehow. It's just it's phenomenal. Adelaide was another one. So, yeah, got to make the most of those opportunities. And when you don't, you cost yourselves the game. Yeah. So segue there is into another team that lost at, despite uh, having more scoring shots, and that was Port Adelaide 6-8-44, defeated, defeated by St Kilda 12-1-73. Is that indicative of Port Adelaide's weakness or just an outlier because St Kilda only kicked one behind for the game? Yeah, they kicked one behind, but a lot of their shots were pretty were within that 15, 20-metre arc, I think. If you look at West Coast, if you look at West Coast, what they were meant to score compared to what they actually scored, mm. they they were kicking goals from positions where um, was it seventy five or seventy seven percent of the time they're points. Yeah. So St Kilda actually scoring from positions where it's a reverse. You put it down yeah. Nine times out of ten. Mm. Yeah. So I think that says a lot about Port Adelaide's defense, especially through the midfield on the on the weekend, and uh, how easy they were allowed St Kilda to transition the footy the other way, and I think. It was in the third quarter where they absolutely dominated. They had, again, like something like 15, 16 inside 50s and couldn't score. And it went down the other end and Butler just <laughs> ran into an open goal. So, um, well, it didn't help that 
big Charlie Dixon was getting absolutely monstered by um, three or four St Kilda defenders chopping his arms and everything like that. But apparently it wasn't a free kick. But the next day, you touched a big, you touched anyone going in a marking contest. Young piles are paying them. So, um, yeah, look, I think for it showed that St Kilda are probably better than what we gave them credit for. Um, they finally beat a decent side, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about Port because they had a had probably a player out that's go, has gone a bit underrated this year, and he's probably he's really important for them, I think mainly because of his kicking out of the fence and the fact that he's been so good in his one on ones, and that was McKenzie. Mm. He was missing that game, and Westhoff played. Westhoff played pretty well, but we've all seen Westhoff's uh, kick that went straight to a secure player at a pretty important time in the last quarter there, where McKenzie would have probably hit target. 40 metres away, a lot tougher kick. So don't underestimate how important Trent McKenzie is to Port Adelaide this year. From we saw that in the betting markets in the lead up to the game as well because you messaged me and said, what's going on? Port Adelaide's fading pretty heavily. And I was like, the only in and out is McKenzie for Westhoff. And you're like, oh, okay. Cash out, cash yeah. out, cash out, cash yeah, out. Well, yeah, so – He's a, you look at their you look at their defense, Porto's defense. There's not a lot of good kickers, a good disposal, you know, good blokes who kick the ball well out of their defense. And McKenzie's one of those guys. So um, having him out and Westhoff in, I think Westhoff played pretty well and probably keeps his spot, maybe, although he was originally dropped. But getting McKenzie back will help. And I think that they would have learned a few lessons and they'd back themselves. If they played St Kilda another five times, I reckon Porto would win four. So I'm pretty. Pretty, I'm pretty happy where Secure are at, but I don't think they're the top six side. And I'm probably going to get bashed for that, but that's all right. Yeah, and that's fair enough. Because until St Kilda prove it, there's nothing a lot to go, to go off otherwise. It's interesting that those two games, so the GDOS Richmond game and the St Kilda Port Adelaide game, just prove the importance of where you get your shots from. So both Richmond and um, Port Adelaide were very much restricted to trying to kick goals from the 50-meter arc in that 45 out to 55 yeah. out, and they gave up looks well inside 30, 30 metres. So if you can use that going forward as, as kind of a predictor, better than scoring shots created is more just like the quality of the scoring shots created. So, so and more often than not, it will tell you which team's going to win, except for this next game where West Coast West Coast's kicking is much more of an outlier than St Kilda's kicking was because they just did not miss from anywhere all day. Yeah, look, we are good for a quarter. No Penelbury, no Howe, um, no side bottom, no Goey. You look at our look at our list on the weekend. Look at our team, and we spoken about a few weeks ago about how young we actually are. I think people um, forget that if you take away Penelbury, side bottom, Howe, Reed out of that team, and probably Taylor Adams, probably the other one, and and uh, Main, our age, a lot of our players are under the age of twenty five, and I probably only had, you know, anywhere between 20 and 80 to 100 games experience. So I think there's a big hole there when there's no Penelbury side bottom and how, and I don't care who you are, you go to any club, you take away their top four or five, five leaders. Yeah. And I've spoken about this all year about how leadership and culture is going to be really important this year. You take away your top leaders, like I think that's four or five of our leadership group, which is only seven, I think, weren't playing on the weekend. So... You know, we're good for a quarter and then we went missing and then we re- struggled to get back in the game. But that's just unbelievable. They were, that's the best I've seen them play in a long, long time. And um, I still have my doubts. 
Uh, I still think they have their deficiencies, but if you play like that, good luck. Good luck to them if they can keep that up because I reckon, I reckon that's the best they've ever played. Like, even then, like if you, sometimes you you play a game, you play a game of cricket, whatever, and you go, not, not much went wrong today. Yeah, and I don't reckon much went wrong for them at all. Not at all, and I think a little bit is also just they match up really well against Collingwood. Just like how Collingwood seems yeah. to always beat Richmond, West Coast just always seems to beat Collingwood. And it's it's a bit of game style, it's a bit of personnel, it's a bit of history, and sometimes those things just don't change for a very long time. I, I think the, um, the, the, the the key thing is that our defence. So we didn't have Howe and they showed a bit of footage on the couch. We got really... But our, our defence through midfield, like we we could not keep up with them. They outran us. They, they, their ball use was too good. And they played – our four lines are a real concern. Like, keep harping on about it, but they matched up pretty well on our, our four line. And Cameron looked good for the first quarter. They went missing. Stephenson was in and out of the game pretty much. But after quarter time, he's not seen. Elliot's been bloody awesome for us. Oscar Elliot's been awesome for us, but – yeah, it went missing a bit. My check was in and out. We lost Brown early as well. Um, I don't think Atu is up to it yet. And maybe he's, is he up to it any at all? I don't know, but I don't think he should be playing. I don't think Thomas should be playing. Braden C needs to come in, surely. And hopefully Varko's fit. Or uh, we play some other kids. Like get Nathan Murphy in and see what he's got. Even if he plays on a wing or and we push Phillips forward or just try something different. Um no need to go to panic stations, mm. but I think when we saw Quainer come in last week or two weeks ago when it was, that he added something to our team. So why not add a few, few more young blokes that have been in our system for two or three years that are high-quality picks. So, But West Coast will just keep tracking along and we'll see where they're at. Well, they've got a pretty good run now, so we'll see where they're at after another four or five weeks. That we will. Round 9A previews. So this episode doing things slightly differently. As we said, the footy bonanza is coming quickly at us. And so we're going to chunk it up. That way we can give you the give you the teams. We can give you uh, the previews as they're most relevant. And then as you're catching up on games, we'll preview the next set. So we'll do Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday's games from round nine. All of them basically lit in the test. So it starts tonight. Richmond are $2 outsiders against the Bulldogs, $1.80 favourites at Metric on the stadium. The line here is just two points. The over-under is 118. And this is a game that makes Tigers fans very nervous because the Doggies love playing against the Tigers. What are you reading here? Is it a bit odd that Western Bulldogs are favourites? No, I don't think it is. Although, I mean, you look at the... Changes that have been made. Sydney Stack, Cochin's back in, which is good. Uh, Markov and Jack Ross come in for Rioli, Graham, Vlosten, and Nash. And most all those blokes are uh, admitted, uh, omitted, sorry, except for Vlosten, who's injured. And he's a, probably a bit of a big out um, for them. And then to- Sam Lloyd and Toby McLean, so two pretty talented players come in for Callum Porter, and who's injured, and uh, Lockie Young, who gets admitted. So um, I think. <sighs> Look, we spoke. We spoke about. I've spoken about all year about the doggies and inability to score. Mm-hmm. And I think last week they got a bit flooded. They were flooded a bit, really, with what what happened in that game against Essendon. Because Essendon were pretty ordinary. It was an open game. There wasn't a lot of tackling. Um, it was pretty free flowing. Um, 
and then they come up against the Gold Coast Suns in pretty moist conditions where the Suns made it a bit of a slog and arguably the Suns should have won the game. And again, they went back to their 51 points. So I reckon it's a bit of a danger taking um, the doggies on here at this, these odds at $1.70 because I don't reckon the odds reflect where both teams are at. I'm tipping the doggies just because of the outs for Richmond. Actually, no, nah, I'm tipping Richmond. Well, if you go on form, so you look at who the doggies have beaten up on. They beat up on North Melbourne, dead team. They beat up on Essendon when Essendon didn't show up. Then they got absolutely smashed by Carlton and they only beat the, only beat the Suns by five points last week. Whereas Richmond, they beat Melbourne by over by almost five goals. They beat Sydney in a pretty tough game, but they got the win. And then they beat up on North Melbourne by 54 points and they stuck with the Giants and they stuck within two, two goals. So form-wise, I think Richmond's form is a much stronger form line than the Western Bulldogs. And then other things in terms of their, their strength. So like... Richmond will have the advantage in the ruck because the doggies are still getting smashed there. And if Richmond can slowly build upon their trademark, which is that forward half pressure, forward half territory battle, and a few more pressure acts inside 50, then Western Bulldogs are still this massive handball chain at a defence team. So it does play into Richmond's style, which doesn't quite make sense because the doggies usually beat the Richmond. So that's the part I'm, I am concerned about, that history shows that regardless where these two teams are at, the doggies do get up over over the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, that's that's my concern is it, we, we, we generally go by history and it just doesn't – it doesn't really play um, well when we do that because when we have, whenever we have gone against history and we've spoken about it, it shows that we get shown up a bit. Mm. <laughs> They're beating you – I mean, you beat them in 2018, but other than that, they've pretty much had the wood over you the last few years. So yeah, five of the last six. But I, was, I just looked at the teams. I just looked at the odds, and I still have, like I said, worries about your, the scoring. And yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to tip Richmond. And um, no, nah, stuff. I'm going to tip Richmond. I've changed my mind just right here, right now, and I'm going with the Tigers. Um, after I I gave a bit of lip today, tipping the the um, the dogs. So. The more research I've just done, I just can't believe I've just changed my mind straight away. So, yeah, I'm going with the I'm going with the Tigers just to be too hard, too too full on. The pressure gauge will stop the doggies' uh, style of game, and hopefully uh, get enough turnovers and score against them, and, and the doggies won't be able to score enough. So, yep, that's, and that's that's where so that's where the Tigers will win this. Yeah, so meters gained. Tigers are number one at the moment in the competition. And then the last four rounds have recorded a time and forward half differential of 10 plus minutes per game. That's ranked number one as well. So that style of football should beat the dogs who don't like it hard and tough and, and congested in, in a certain zone of the field. And if that, that certain zone of the field is the front half, then Richmond win. So I think we're both tipping Richmond, oddly enough. Wow, yeah, I can't believe I just, I literally just was all about. Rubber arm. And I just, watch, watch this come back to hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just on the on the game, I've got a small little uh, same game multi. It's paying about four dollars seventy five. I reckon it's pretty pretty safe without being too over the top. And it's Caleb Daniel to get twenty or more because the ball, if it is played in Richmond's front half, he'll get plenty of the ball. Jackson McRae, uh, Jack McRae, sorry, averages 
34 touches against Richmond in the last five times they've played. And he's averaging something like 27, 28 touches a game this year. So he'll get plenty of it. And then anytime goal scorer, uh, Tom Lynch, Mitch Wallace, who both have been the goals for both teams this year. And I'm backing Jack Rewalt. He's been under the pump a bit lately uh, about his form. And I'm backing him to kick a goal as well. And that gets you $4.75. So you can, you know, you can probably play around with it and add Richmond to win or something and get double your money. So nearly 10 bucks. But uh, I'm happy to take the 475 And I might have a separate one with Richmond to win in it as well and get that just over 10s. Lovely stuff. And the stats back you up there. Since 2012, Jack Rewalt has averaged 14 disposals, four goals, and two score assists against the Bulldogs. Thursday at 7.50, Melbourne are $2.20 outsiders against Port Adelaide, who are $1.65 favourites. They're playing at the Gabatois. The line here is a goal. The over-under is one twenty-two. And there's little between the two sides on the head-to-head odds, despite their very separate positions on the ladder. Uh what do we make of the Demons' form? Because obviously all of footy talkback is saying that the Demons are back. Yeah, they're saying they're back and I could, and they get moving closer, but they're still making the same stupid mistakes. They're getting carried a lot by some very, very good players. You know, Petrakel went missing for two quarters and then came, you know, his first quarter was good, his last quarter was good, but it was pretty... Um, you know, missed, missed quite a bit in the second and third. Clayton Oliver, someone, I think Jared Whaley was talking him up on the couch. I watched that game. Oh, he butchered the footy that many times, especially by foot. If he's not one of the most overrated players, I know I probably shouldn't be saying this, but he's, it's not his fault that, you know, everyone talks you up, but he, he's not in great form. And I'm, I just kind of get sick. It's, uh, Melbourne's probably a victim of the uh, the pro-Melbourne people on Fox footy who just love talking them up. But I don't reckon they're travelling as good as what everyone thinks they are. And they came back in that last quarter against Brisbane um, and arguably probably should have won it. But, you know, in the second and third quarter, Brisbane should have put them away as well. So Brisbane were another one of those teams that didn't capitalise on their opportunities, especially earlier in the game, and um, you know, to be five five at half time, and if they were five three or five two, like most other teams were, they probably had the game iced. And um, yeah, I just think that the form lines around Melbourne aren't as strong as as they are for Port Adelaide, and I'm tipping Port Adelaide. Yeah, and that's perfect. Makes perfect sense. The four lines here: Melbourne has lost in the last four games to Richmond, uh, and obviously to Brisbane, and they. Beat up heavily on, on Hawthorne, who are old and slow basically now, and they only had a three-goal win over Gold Coast, whereas Port Adelaide, yes, they've lost two of their last four as well, but they lost them to Brisbane as well, and they lost them to St Kilda. But in between, they took down the Giants and they took down Carlton. And so I think there's more upside to Port Adelaide. The issue here, though, is that Port Adelaide keep doing the Port Adelaide thing of losing the teams that they should beat or staying too close in games that they teams they should beat. Is this another danger game in that aspect for this Port Adelaide side? Yeah, well, that was also brought up a bit on the talkback shows that, you know, we haven't seen anything from, from Port yet to prove that they're a top team. So I think they know that. But I, I just keep thinking that their game style is going to open up Melbourne, something chronic. And, you know, everyone was talking about how the, the, the goal review cost Melbourne last week. Well, it was a lot of crap because if you look at the stats, Brisbane dominated a bit in that last quarter. They just kicked five points and... Melbourne rather able to convert and kick three goals one. So um, 
yeah, I think going forward, we can probably bank Melbourne in against the, the bottom sides, but hopefully we, we look into this and Port Adelaide get the job done and we start Port Adelaide start getting the recognition they deserve because they're playing good football, they're playing attacking football, they've got a few injuries but they've still been able to cover and um, it's going to be good seeing Charlie Dixon go up against May and Lever as well. So, hundred uh, I'm backing in Port, and I reckon Charlie Dixon could have a big game because he was pretty, uh, he's pretty, pretty fairly untreated last week, and I reckon he might get a few cheapies this week as payback. That would be very handy for the tipsters out there. The stats back you up as well. Port Adelaide lead the AFL in inside 50s, tackles inside 50, and they're in the top five for inside 50 efficiency. On the flip side, Melbourne are ranked 16th in the AFL for shots conceded from inside 50s. And so if that plays out the way it should, then Port are going to have plenty of good looks at the goal. Um, and they're also ranked last, Melbourne, for inside 50 efficiency. Um, and then... Uh, even for even simple things like tackle pressure, they're ranked last as well. So nothing here suggests that Melbourne should have an upset other than if you listen to Fox footy. So Port Adelaide, the obvious pick. What is your uh, angle here money-wise, Baz? Melbourne to score less than 60 points is $1.62. So if you can get the same game multi with that into Port Adelaide to win, you're getting about four bucks or three fifty four dollars I reckon that's pretty good. And yep. I'm looking forward to uh, Ollie Wines and... Um, Viney going head-to-head, two tough nuts that love uh, the physical stuff. So that's what I like about these sorts of games sometimes. It's just watching two players that are very similar go head-to-head. Yep. And if you're looking for a couple of bookmakers out there doing the three-game, uh, three-leg, same-game multi, one-leg fails, you get your cash back. If you roll the unders into that, so the under over here is 122. If you're thinking that... Melbourne are going to go under 61. That pretty much will be an unders game as well. So you take the Port to win, the unders, and the Melbourne under 61, and you got yourself a three-legger. All right, moving on to Friday's game, the first of two Friday games, just for something new and fresh in this COVID 2020 season. Carlton are $1.50 favourites against Hawthorne, who are $2.60 outsiders. They're playing over in Perth at Optus Stadium. The line here is two goals. You're over under 127. And now, Baz, are the Blues legit? Are they deserving favourites in this matchup against Hawthorne? Well, yeah, they should have. I mean, they should have beaten North pretty a lot easier last week, but in typical Carlton fashion, they have to make the game a bit tighter. Um, but, yeah, surely I can't see how Hawthorne have been horrible. They can't score. They're going to make it a dour game like I did against Sydney Hawthorne. They're going to put numbers behind the footy and – they're going to continue their slow ball movement to try and keep the game pretty close and tight. I would love to see Clarko um, bring in some young players and just do what Sydney have done the last four or five weeks, which is they're the number one corridor team, Sydney. So throw it, throw it open. Let's see. Let's watch some good footy. Um, but anyway, I just reckon Carlton will win. And Carlton at the line is 11 and a half, and I reckon that's in – some serious danger. So I'll be back in Carlton to win and at the line and maybe even a bit of just have a look at the the margin markets of even over 15 and a half. You get about two bucks at the moment for that. So, um, yeah, I reckon there's some good value there. If you want to play around, Carlton should be winning and winning pretty comfortably. And even if you look at the, the odds for Carlton, uh, Hawthorne, under 50 points, you can get under 50 as well. I think that's paid about $1.90, so even around something like that as well. Yeah, and so 
obvious issue here for the Hawks backs up what you've just said, that these aren't the Hawks that we've all known and feared in the previous years. So they rank last in the competition for disposal differential, kicking efficiency, contested possessions, and they recorded a kicking efficiency of 29% in the last quarter, last round. So these aren't the, these aren't the same Hawks. Um, my angle here for the game is you can get yourself a nice little three-legger. So Carlton to win the first, Carlton to win, and under the 127 is paying $4.35. The reason why Carlton will win the first quarter is that in the last four rounds, Hawthorne have conceded 22 points in first quarters, ranked last in the AFL. So that is another tasty little three-legger to get you through the first of the Friday games. And the last is a bit more interesting. So Friday, 8-10, Essendon are $2.78 outsiders. Brisbane, $1.43 favourites. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here is two goals, the over-under, one twenty-four and a half. Now, Brisbane were warm early favourites in this one, Baz. But is there any angle here for an Essendon upset? Surely not. They've got more injuries and they've been blaming the, the grounds they've been training on as the reasons why they've got so many injuries. Now... I just can't believe they've won so many games. They've beaten was it I saw they beat Sydney, Fremantle, North they, I can't remember if it was North Melbourne. Uh, they've beaten like the bottom top bottom four teams by a combined of fifteen points. Mm. It's it's like they and they were, they were the better team against LA, don't get me wrong, and they probably deserved the win in the end, but they were very, very lucky to get away with that as well. Um and I just can't see how, apart from Brisbane not turning up, how Brisbane don't. Surely we see where Essendon are really at and Brisbane just put them away. I don't think Brisbane Brisbane were pretty unhappy with the, their game last week and their, their win. And we saw that after the game when Faden got in there and was like, boys, we still won. Like, we didn't play our best. We still won. Let's get up and about. I think um, seeing that, you know, it's good, good in a way to see Brisbane not happy with the win and knowing they can do better. But also seeing Fagan say oh, it's not the end of the world. Let's let's lift again, and I, I reckon there could be a bit of uh, carnage in this game. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's always good to see a coach, the coach, be the one to lift up the players, and the players hold themselves to the to the standard. So it wasn't the opposite way around. Yeah. Where if Melbourne, when Melbourne wins by four points against an Adelaide or a Fremantle, they're really happy, and the coach has to bring them down and be like, "That wasn't good enough." But when it's the opposite. It shows that there's already a really good internal culture of of standard and keeping qualities and, yeah, holding themselves to account. So that's far better, and that's probably one of the major reasons why you can trust Brisbane in this game versus an Essendon because an Essendon are very much in that second boat where, you know, oh, we beat Adelaide by three points. That's that's good news. And, and at the end of the day, really, it's it's not that good news. They should be beating them by far more if they're a team that's going to make the top eight this year. Uh, look, Bris- uh, Melbourne's like, defence is pretty playing pretty well at the moment, but uh, and Essendon's uh, hasn't really been scoring a lot. Like, I think they're averaging around 60 points a game. I'll be back in, even in a shootout, Brisbane are way more dangerous going forward and their defence with, you know, uh, Harris Andrews and the like, uh, Leicester and all those sort of blokes. And I know Rich pulled up a bit sore after the game and might not be playing, but you just back Brisbane to have enough all over the ground and just be too good, too skillful and too dangerous for the ball that um, it won't really make much of a difference. And big McInerney, you know, he's going to have a good game, I reckon, because there's not much ruck stocks at Essendon either. So mm. he had a good game last weekend against Gorn, I thought, after a bit of early indiscretion that cost him a goal. But uh, I reckon 
he played a pretty good game in the end on, on Gorn and there's no Gorn at SNL give you a real tip. Yeah. And so the number one stat here that stands out for me is that Brisbane are always going to be a pretty much favourites in every game they play this year because of all the one percenters that they have just going to go their way. So in the last four rounds, Brisbane have been directly outmarked in just two of 61 one-on-ones. They've only been outmarked in two of 61 one-on-one contests in four rounds. Mental. So Brisbane, the tip. That's, that's, Any uh, money angles? Um, maybe, maybe chuck a cheeky tenner on plus forty. If it's if it's good conditions, and you know we've seen Esther not really be a, even against Adelaide on the weekend. They're not a massive pressure team, and they don't lay heaps of tackles and it's a bit of end to end sort of stuff. Brisbane will just cut them open, surely. Mm. I agree with that, and that could lead to that could lead lead to a big uh, big blowout. And like Essendon already missing a few more players. They've got Laverde out. I think Fantasia is out as well. So it's going to be interesting. Like they already had to have a makeshift four line last week to try and kick goals. And yeah, like I said, if it's a shootout and the Essendon four line won't kick a big enough score, I think Brisbane's four line could. So maybe past 40, it's $5. So might be worth a little cheeky tenner if 15 if you had a few wins leading up to, to that game. Yep, I can agree with that one. I've got another three-legger here as well, given the promos that are floating about. So Brisbane to lead at half time, Brisbane to win, and the over 124. Or you take that at the line. So Brisbane to lead at half time by three and a half, Brisbane to win by 13 and a half, and over 124 is paying $4.90. And the reason why Brisbane will lead at half time is they're ranked the in the top two for quarters one and two wins. Uh, versus Essen, who are ranked 12th. And so, yeah, it'll be basically a Brisbane leading all the way, kicking away late, and blowing out the Bombers is what we see there. That's the end of our little mini wrap of Part A of round nine. Uh, there's no feature bets because we're just giving you basically some plays to have every day as rounds don't really exist anymore in this new utopian world of where football is on 24-7, 365 until the end of the 2020 season. So that's the end of the episode for round nine A. And uh, Bez, look after yourself whilst you're watching the footy tonight, mate. Yes, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a full league. I'm just going to take the four games we just previewed, Richmond, Brisbane, Port and Carlton into each other for... Uh, what is it? Yeah, about eight bucks thirty. So that'll be my little bet. And uh, yeah, well, I think we're back together on Friday to go through the next few games and talk about the four games or three or four games that we've seen. And um, yeah, interesting times ahead. And let's watch some footy and batchy. This time I'm-